1: And good evening. We begin tonight with breaking news, sad news. A
2: storied American political family is saying goodbye to its matriarch, all Americans, saying goodbye to a former first lady. Barbara Bush has died at the age of 92. She lived an extraordinary life. In a statement, former President George W. Bush writes, My dear mother has passed on at age 92. Laura, Barbara, Jenna and I are sad, but our souls are settled because we know hers was. Barbara Bush was a fabulous first lady and a woman unlike any other who brought levity, love, and literacy to millions. To us, she was so much more. Mom kept us on our toes and kept us laughing until the end. I'm a lucky man that Barbara Bush was my mother. Our family will miss her dearly, and we thank you all for your prayers and good wishes. Jimmy Gangel uh, joins us now uh, with more. Uh, Jamie, what do we know about, uh, well, the last several days for, for Mrs. Bush?
3: So, you know, a lot of people, Anderson, knew that her husband has been struggling with Parkinson's. We've seen him in the wheelchair. Very few people realized that she had been struggling with COPD and congestive heart failure for the last two years. And it's been rough on her. She was, uh, she was getting tired. She told friends and family that she was ready. She had been in and out of the hospital quite a few times. And when she got out this past week, she said, that's enough mm. and when Barbara Bush says something, you uh, you listen she's uh, we, we have a look back at her life that I think shows her humor and uh, celebrates what she was like. she was 92 years old. Mm. Anderson
4: Let's take a look. Barbara and I just. Wanted to pop
3: in here. To most Americans, Barbara Bush was known for her trademark white hair and pearls. But to those who knew her best, her family, she was simply...
0: The enforcer. The enforcer.
3: Your mom's nickname.
0: The, the enforcer.
3: A tough but loving mother and grandmother with a wicked sense of
5: humor. Like She wears a size, you know, two and my leg is a size two or something. <laughs> but. And a strict rule book.
0: If you violated them she would enforce the rules and do it in, in a way that um, was pretty effective.
1: For example, if we left uh, clothes on the floor uh, in our room or you know, didn't put it, hang up a wet bathing suit, um, grandmother would be very direct, and you'd hear it sometimes from the other side of the house or even outside uh, you know, for us to get our butt back inside and, and clean up quickly.
3: It didn't matter who you were. She was the sergeant.
4: And he was reading his paper, and Barbara looked over at him, George, take your feet off my table. I said, the guy is president of the United States of America. Give him a break. No, he knows better than that.
3: Your mom didn't hold her tongue. No, not at all. Mother
4: was on the front line and expressed herself frequently. Mother uh, was there to... Maintain order and discipline.
5: I am the enforcer. There's no
4: question about it. But you got angrier than your husband, didn't you? Always. (laughs) Still (laughs) does. You're feistier than him. (laughs) True.
5: (laughs) When
3: it came to her husband, former President George H.W. Bush, she was loving...
5: He was Superman. Still is. ...and devoted. You can criticize me, but don't criticize my husband or you're dead.
4: Always fiercely protective of her husband but in a way that avoided the pitfalls of some other First Ladies who have seemed overly intrusive.
3: His not-so-secret secret weapon.
4: She had an, a foot with the family and a foot in his career. This idea that she was not politically involved is not true. You know, she was there. Barbara was someone, too, who could, who could tell... George, what she she thought, and she she would, just like she could tell everybody what she thought, and she would.
0: I'm not sure that my grandfather would have obtained nearly as many accolades as he did, uh, but for my grandmother.
3: Critical political partner.
0: An essential
4: political partner.
3: Together for more than 70 years, the Bushes were the longest married couple in presidential history, a love story documented in hundreds of letters between the two.
4: I love you, precious, with all my heart, and to know that you love me means my life. How often I have thought about the immeasurable joy that will be ours someday. How lucky our children will be to have a mother like you. And then later in the letter, good night, my beautiful. Every time I say beautiful, you about kill me, but you'll have to accept it.
3: The public also loved Barbara Bush, making her one of the most popular First Ladies in
5: recent history, even though she didn't see it that way.
4: Why don't you like the word popular?
5: Well, because I don't think it's true, and I don't know how to cope with it, and I just don't like it. and I, it I, I, I don't want you to stand up and say, here comes the least popular one." That's woman. right. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, I just don't, it just makes me very uncomfortable.
3: But she used her platform to improve literacy, raising awareness and hundreds of millions of dollars to benefit the cause.
5: If more people could read and write and comprehend crime, everything would be better.
3: Occasionally, there was some controversy. In 1990, when Mrs. Bush was asked to speak at Wellesley's commencement ceremony, students protested, claiming she wasn't feminist enough. She responded with a speech that brought everyone
5: to their feet. Who knows? Somewhere out in this audience may even be someone who will one day follow in my footsteps and preside over the White House as the president's spouse And I wish him well. That political savviness made her a force
3: on the campaign trail well into her 90s. During the 2016 presidential primaries, Mrs. Bush gave one of her last television interviews to CNN while stumping for her son, Jeb. What do you really
5: think of Donald Trump? I do not. I don't even think about him. I'm sick of him.
3: Classic Barbara Bush, with no-nonsense candor that sometimes made headlines. This was her response to Alaska Governor Sarah Palin's 2012 presidential hopes.
5: I think she's very happy in Alaska, and uh, I hope she'll stay there.
3: <laughs> and she made news again when asked about her
5: own son Jeb running for the White House two years before he did. He's by far the best qualified man, but no. There are other people out there that are very qualified, and we've had enough Bushes.
3: She also broke the news to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas that he had the job before her husband officially picked him.
1: I greeted her, and she said, congratulations. And that's when I knew. And she said, oh, I guess I let the cat out of the bag.
3: A few years later, after her husband's loss to Bill Clinton... Comedian Dana Carvey performed at the White House.
6: We walked into their bedroom, and there's a big wall of televisions. Uh, And on one TV was a close-up of Bill Clinton, the new president. another TV, there was a picture of Ross Perot. So they're side by side. And she just walks in, looks over, sees the two of them, and goes, I I can't figure out which clown to look at.
7: I imagine it took her a lot longer to forgive me than it did him. And... um,
5: and maybe she never has. <laughs> it took me a little while, I confess.
3: But eventually she came around, and Bill Clinton went from political foe to unofficial family member.
5: I love Bill Clinton.
0: Maybe not as politics, but I love Bill Clinton.
5: I'd walk across coals for her. I think she's
7: immensely
3: impressive. A sentiment echoed by her family.
0: She is so smart, so sharp, so aware. She's, she's witty, she's wise, She's kind of got that fierce mama bear type instinct. She'll, she'll defend and support any son or daughter or family member that gets into any kind of trouble. Um, she's been a passionate a- advocate for literacy. So my mom's amazing. I think um, the reasons that mo- you know, my cousins and I have kind of turned out to be productive citizens and have never taken the fact that we were grandkids of the president for granted is because of Barbara Bush.
3: Children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, all part of the life and legacy of Barbara Pierce Bush.
5: The one request I have is that they stay loving siblings. And so far, so good. And I'll be looking down, so behave yourself.
2: And Jamie Gangel joins us now. Uh, you talked about this, the love story. They celebrated, I think, their 73rd wedding anniversary on, just on January Six. It's incredible. She was 16 years old when she met uh, right. her future husband at a uh, at a school dance. He was a senior at Phillips uh, Andover.
3: Right. And she told me that he was the first person she ever kissed. Wow. And uh, 73 years of marriage. George Bush said in his book of letters, and I, I think it really summed it up. We were two people, but we were one. It was a remarkable, remarkable love affair. And And Anderson, I know that today is a sad day and a sad moment, but what I like looking back and listening to all of those friends and family talk about Barbara Bush is you really got a sense of her personality. If if she was here, and I believe she is looking down, she would be saying, why are you all making such a fuss about me? She's very direct, very outspoken, uh, a lot of fun, but she There was a part of her that didn't like being the center of attention. But no question, she was the center of that family.
2: Well, also, you know, just in reading uh, about her incredible life, um, while her husband, before he got involved in politics, you know, they had moved. Obviously, after he graduated from Yale, they moved down to to Texas. Um, He got involved in the oil business. He was away a lot. He was on the road a lot working, building a business. She, as you said, was really the one holding the, the family together. I mean, she was kind of. The, the person on scene.
3: Right. Uh, you know, we heard them say that they called her the Enforcer, that was her nickname. No question, she was, and they were a a wonderful but wild bunch of kids. But the other thing that I think is true is that it never stopped. And, And one of the things that I'm not sure everybody knows is literacy was her cause. This was something that started when she was in the White House, but it was really because you saw her son Neil in the interview. She discovered he was dyslexic when he was a kid. And so Helping him learn to read was something—it wasn't just a cause, it was a passion. And Barbara Bush and her husband—this is a little-known fact—in their years since they left the White House, they raised together—they helped to raise more than $1 billion for charity, for literacy, for volunteerism, for cancer— she never stopped right up until the end. I, I saw her in September at a, at a literacy function, and she was there taking pictures, greeting people. She really did believe in giving back.
2: I, I want to bring the panel in a moment. But, Jamie, also, I mean, for all the, the love and, and you know, triumphs she had in her life, she also suffered a tremendous loss. She lost a, a, a daughter, I think, at age three or four to leukemia.
3: That's right. So Robin, who was their first daughter, uh, got leukemia when she was about two years old. She died just before she was four. This also speaks to why the Bushes have cared so much about cancer research over the years. But it was heartbreaking. I mean, it, it was just and one of the reasons people always ask why she didn't dye her hair, her hair actually in that year, when Robin died, turned white almost overnight. She was very young at the time, and she just decided to keep it that way.
2: And, and I believe she's going to be buried uh, next to uh, to her daughter, as will uh, the former president.
3: That's correct. She's going to be buried at the presidential library at College Station. Her husband, when he passes, will be buried there. But... Uh, Robin's remains are there, and she'll be buried right next to yeah, her.
2: Together again. Jimmy Gangel, right. stick around. I want to bring in uh, Maggie Haberman, uh, Paul Begala, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, Douglas Brinkley, David Gergen, and Kate Anderson uh, Brower. Uh, Doug Brinkley, I mean, not since Abigail Adams has anyone been a wife and a mother to presidents, and yet Barbara Bush was certainly a force of nature in her own right, and I believe in, even her father was a descendant of uh, of a president as well. What do you think her legacy will yeah. be? Well, her father was Senator Franklin Pierce, and uh, yes,
7: she'll be always seen as America's uh, matriarch when it comes to presidential history. Uh, it was, she was, you know, oftentimes we talk about the closeness of Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan and their love story. Uh, but Ronald Reagan had been married to Jane Weidman before. Um, they, this amazing story of George and Barbara Bush, they created a kind of dynasty. They never liked that word, but the whole Kenny Bunkport compound thing, was very reminiscent of the Kennedys and Cape Cod. Um, her, Her staying with her husband but doing things always on her own terms, for example, when George uh, Herbert Walker Bush became head of the CIA. Uh, she was very frustrated because he couldn't tell her anything anymore. They shared everything together. So she started going around and talking to people about her experiences when she lived in China, where they uh, bicycle rode all over the countryside. Uh, and that's when she got involved with the literacy campaign, which she thought was the key to unlocking the hearts and minds of of the country. If you couldn't read, you weren't going to go anywhere in American life. So she became kind of a progenitor of book festivals and talking about books, whether it was a historian or novelist. And Laura Bush kind of emulated her, created a Texas book festival to celebrate arts and culture. Um, But it's mainly her devotion to her her f- husband and the fact that they had this incredible marriage and, in fact, how loyal she was to people that knew her. Even somebody like Lee Atwater, who many Republicans turned on. She stayed loyal to him because uh, Atwater had helped her husband. Uh, she either li- If she liked you, she would do anything for you. But she could be very unvarnished, direct. And didn't suffer fools
2: lightly. Yeah, David Gergen, you worked for for President Reagan when Barbara Bush was second lady of the United States. You worked for President Clinton after he defeated her husband. What do you think you'll remember most about Mrs. Bush?
8: Well, Barbara Bush uh, died the way she lived, with courage and grace. I think it's remarkable, Anderson, how long she was under in the public spotlight. You know, as second lady, as, as married to the vice president for eight years, then four years in the White House as first lady, uh, and and then uh, you know coming back with her son for another eight years. I mean, she had 20 years there when she was second lady, first lady, or first mother. Uh, plus, you know, she had t- t- two of her sons in, in governor's chairs, and during all that time, uh, there was there was no. Uh, she carried herself with a real sense of propriety. What It was sort of an old-fashioned way they lived together. Uh, It was very endearing to people who knew them. Um, But she always brought honor to the office and to the tradition of the presidency. And at a time when we feel like maybe that's in question, you know, I think she stands as a beacon of what a really good, strong, and as Del Brinkley described her matriarchal uh, first lady could be. Yeah, Kate Brower anderson I mean, Ms.
2: Bush was the most famous and vocal defender, certainly, of her family. She had plenty of views of her own, some contrary to her husband's, but she was really keeper of the flame in so many ways. And, and I always think to, uh, just about her sort of self-deprecating sense of humor, um, not, you know, uh, I mean, cl- clearly defending her husband, but poking fun at herself. I, I was just reading one of the things when she was asked about her huge popularity. She was, in the time of the White House, she was one of, uh, always ranked as one of the most popular uh, women in America she said she's popular because she was quote cuz I'm she said quote cuz I'm fat and old and nobody feels threatened by me. I mean, it's very rare that people kind of poke fun at themselves uh, in that, in that way.
9: Well, I mean, she famously wore these fake pearl uh, necklaces and she would say they were to cover the wrinkles on her neck because she couldn't wear uh, a necklace all to cover the wrinkles all over her face. And uh, she had a great sense of humor. She was beloved in the White House. Um, when I interviewed her about the butlers and the maids at the White House, she remembered their, their names. She kept in touch with many of them. She would sign emails, love BPB, uh, Barbara Pierce Bush. Um, and I think the love story um, between her and, and President Bush is really incredible. I mean, they have the longest presidential marriage in history, 73 years. Um, she was asked if he had any flaws, and she said, no, he was a saint. Um, and she told me, you know, I, I've, I've been so happy as First Lady. So many good things have happened in my life. I have no complaints. Um, and it's all because... Uh, of my husband, and so I think this is a really inspira- inspirational story. And I think, as Douglas said, it's it's you know we hear about the Reagans a lot, but the Bushes also had this deep devotion to each other and to their family. Um, and it really is the end of an era of this kind of uh, Reagan Bush era of decorum and civility in the Republican Party. I think, and it's it's very sad.
2: Yeah. uh, First of all, just uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta is here just on the on the medical front. uh, We know during when she was at the White House, she uh, was diagnosed with Graves disease. Uh, But in in the last few years, it was my understanding is uh, congestive heart failure and COPD. Can you explain?
6: Yeah. And that was just in the last couple of years. I mean, she was pretty healthy. She got the Graves disease back in the late 80s. She had a um, aortic valve replacement as well. But that was really about it up until age 90. So pretty healthy. COPD basically is a, a significant inflammation of the airways. What does it
2: stand for? It- it's
6: chronic obstructive pulmonary, pulmonary. disease. Okay. And, and um, it, it basically, it, it becomes harder to breathe. Uh, sometimes people will need additional oxygen. In the worst case situation, someone needs to go on a breathing machine, which is something within the last few days she said she did not want to do. Uh, what can also happen with COPD is that the heart is pumping blood to the lungs but the lungs, because they're so constricted, it makes it harder for the heart to do that. So the heart starts to fail as well. And that's the congestive heart failure part of it. And that's that's when it does become concerning. And I think probably what led to this most recent hospitalization. But as you know, and, and as she, she talked about, um, she really talked about this idea of palliative care, which doesn't mean no care. That that that's that's oftentimes misunderstood. It, it just means uh, people are still made comfortable, but you're not doing things that are aggressively trying to extend life anymore. Mm.
2: It, it's interesting. I was reading uh, about the death of her daughter when her daughter was was almost four years old, and I, I think one of the gre- regrets they had as a couple was that they ignored doctors' advice to uh, uh, to, to to not seek out uh, aggressive treatments on their daughter, and they did have a lot of aggressive treatments. And I wonder how that it's curious. influenced yeah, it's her a... view of end of life for, for later on in her own life.
6: Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that she, she talked much about it. You know, as as Jamie was talking about, it's really been President Bush whose, whose health you know has been focused on a lot and he's been in and out of the hospital several times. Just over the last couple of years, and she she was hospitalized at the same time, you I may mean, remember as her husband at that time with bronchitis was probably some of the first indications of this COPD, this, this obstructive pulmonary disease. But it was just over the last few weeks where she just said no more of this aggressive care and not putting a breathing tube in, not doing things besides just comfort.
2: And, and uh, her uh, there, a statement had been put out uh, uh, just in the last several days that said it will not surprise those who know her that Barbara Bush has been a rock in the face of her failing health, worrying not for herself, thanks to her abiding faith. But for others, she's surrounded by a family she adores and appreciates the many kind messages and especially the prayers she is receiving. Paul, I mean, she was she was a politician in her own right. I mean, uh, not not you know, getting out in front of her husband in, in terms of his politics, not contradicting him. But later on in life, she said that she was uh, 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 pro-choice. Um, and yet, uh, I mean, she had a great political instinct and was an incredibly
10: important advisor to her, the president. Absolutely. She was. She understood the, the power of being beloved. It's not that she was popular. She was beloved mm-hmm. and respected. And there's great power that comes with that. And I think she used it wonderfully. And in all of the campaigns she went through, her husband ran for Congress, he ran for the Senate, he became vice president, president, and then her son, her, her other son, became all that. She looked back on all that and she said, I hate the fact that people think compromise is a dirty word. Isn't that wonderful? Someone who'd had all that much success it, with, through her family and on her own, uh, through these partisan means. She looked back and she said, well, we also have to compromise, too. I think that's very much I can tell you from the Clinton perspective. I, I helped defeat her husband. She could not have been more gracious. President Clinton is right. It took some time. But in time, she took to calling Bill Clinton, the man who defeated her husband, a pretty tough campaign, my fifth son. She, she answered hate with love. She's a very tough woman. She was formidable. Believe me, all the bushy friends of mine were scared of her. But she found a way, I think, that's really an important example for all of us today to to be a fierce partisan and believe what she believes in, but also to call us to the better angels of our nature. She'll
2: be missed. It was Maggie fascinating to hear her during the campaign. Obviously, she was out campaigning for her son, Jeb Bush, um, but essentially just say she didn't think anything of, of Donald Trump.
11: Well, it was interesting. Two things happened in this campaign when she joined it. One, if you remember, when her son, before her son actually declared that he was running, I think she said that uh, something to the effect of the country has seen enough Bushes and Clintons. And that was a, a striking, characteristically uh, blunt, forward statement. Uh, you know that said really where her head was about this run. And then as time went on, it was very clear how the Bushes viewed. Uh, President Trump, how they viewed how then candidate Trump, uh, Don, uh, candidate Donald Trump, treated her son Jeb Bush. I mean, there were some. Of, he, he he reserved some of his nastiest attacks. For Jeb Bush, um, you know, low energy was the one that he branded him with. Um, She and her husband uh, and to a lesser degree, their their former president's son made clear that this was a a brand of politics that they did not subscribe to, Mm. that they considered this to be beyond the pale. Not just the way in which um, President Trump campaigned, but the positions he was taking.
2: It's also such a, uh, by the way, the White House has put out a statement. I'm just going to read it. It says, "President uh, President Donald J. Trump and First Lady Melania Trump joined the nation in celebrating the life of Barbara Bush. As a wife, mother, grandmother, military spouse, and former First Lady, Mrs. Bush was an advocate of the American family. Amongst her greatest achievements was recognizing the importance of literacy as a fundamental family value that requires nurturing and protection. She will be long remembered for her strong devotion to country and family, both of which she served unfailingly well. The president and first lady's thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends of Mrs. Bush. It's so interesting, though, in this age where the the idea of a career politician or somebody who has spent 20 years working in, uh, you know, in the Washington bureaucracy, working in different government agencies uh, is now viewed as, you know, part of the swamp or a suspect, whereas from the generation of the Bushes, that was a very different uh, to look
11: Absolutely. It. it was very much about a call to service. And this is a family that has been very ser- public service oriented. And I understand that, um, you know, there there, Bushes and Clintons in terms of uh, how many campaigns they have run between them became seen as as royals. Um, and there are some voters who rebelled against that. But the reality is that both families had a tremendous public service mind uh, and and bent toward their approach um, you know uh, President Trump did not spend his life in public service um, he did not serve in the military uh, he has not made charitable works um, his his main calling and it is a, it is a contrast in every way I am Uh, Going to be very interested to see, and I've asked the question and haven't heard back, if the president is going to attend, the current president is going to attend this funeral. Mm. It would be the the first uh, such one that has happened. It's not unprecedented, I think, for a sitting president to not go to the funeral of a former first lady. um, And and it may just be that he doesn't go at all. uh, But the question is certainly going to come up.
2: Barbara Bush's grandson, George, has tweeted this just now. My grandmother's entire life was focused on others. For my grandfather, she was his top advisor and confidant. For her family, she was a steady, loving, and guiding hand. And for her country, she was an inspiration and an example for all. My grandmother didn't just live life, she lived it well. And the sorrow of her loss is softened by the knowledge of her impact on our family and our country. I will miss you, Ganny, but no, we will see you again. The latest entry into a family tradition of honoring Mrs. Bush with both humor and affection.
1: Visit Zenny today at zenni.com slash cnn. That's z-e-n-n-i dot com slash cnn.
4: Mother was on the front line and expressed herself frequently. Dad, of course, was available, but he was a busy guy. And uh, uh, he was on the road a lot in his businesses and obviously on the road a lot when he was campaigning. And so mother uh, was there to maintain order and discipline.
0: She, she was the sergeant. Well, Mom, the nickname that she, one of many nicknames she has was the enforcer. So there were unwritten rules, and if you violated them, she would enforce the rules, and do it in, in a way that um, was pretty effective. I don't remember my dad
1: doing that. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know for example if we left uh, clothes on the floor uh, in our room or you know didn't put it, hang up a wet bathing suit, um, grandmother would be very direct. And you'd hear it sometimes from the other side of the house or even outside, uh, you know, for us to get our butt back inside and, and clean up quickly.
0: I think um, the reasons that, some, you know, my cousins and I have kind of turned out to be productive citizens and have never taken the fact that we were grandkids of the president for granted is because of Barbara Bush. It's like God picked two people and said, you guys be a really good team. You guys are going to do a lot of good for people by being together mom is amazing she really is she is she is so smart so sharp so aware she's she's witty she's wise i would say she it was her role more important role was keeping us humble and grounded i mean she she was a rule maker and she did have high expectations for keeping things neat and just basic rules Um, and she would let us know when we hadn't met those rules but you know, she would never let us think we were any different or better uh, than others, and and she was she just kept us grounded. Jamie Gangel, uh, you uh, obviously have interviewed
2: her so much uh, over the years, and, and again, just in the reading I've been doing over the last couple hours about her life, it just I'm just struck by the extraordinary family that she and her husband has created. They had six children, one of whom, as we've been talking about, Robin, who died uh, at the age of three of leukemia. Seventeen grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren. I was also reading that uh, in in the 44 years of their marriage, Mrs. Bush had to manage 29 moves for the family. I mean, that's extraordinary.
3: (laughs) That is a political wife who had a lot of experience. You know, as we were listening to them, uh, the family members all talking about uh, her being the enforcer and strict, I, I was also struck, Anderson, by the fact that they are still, there is this feeling of respect for her. You know, Jeb said she, she was pretty effective. I mean, I think up until the end, they uh, when Barbara Bush said something, they listened. I, I love the story we heard earlier about she was when uh, her son was president and she told him, get your feet off the table. It's That was the direct kind of personality she had but she was also a tremendous amount of fun and one of her favorite expressions was if she called you dearie and then she would say, dearie come over here and sit and talk to me you always wanted to sit and listen to what she had to say because it was going to be fun it was going to be funny and she was going to tell you the truth
2: well, also, you know, um, Doug Brinkley, she really, I mean, if you think about it, she, she died as, as she lived her life, which was really on her own terms. You know, she, she chose uh, not to continue, uh, you know, aggressive treatment, to, to, to be at home, to be surrounded by family. Uh, you know, there were reports she was, uh, you know, even uh, having a little bourbon uh, in, in the last several days. Um, she died as she lived, really.
7: Um, Yes, and she loved Houston, Texas, uh, lived in River Oaks, had all sorts of friends there. She really uh, was—they were—they're incredibly social people, and that community is going to miss the bushes terribly. But she also had this great affinity for Maine, and uh, they're building a memorial kind of museum right near their compound up there to to deal with her life in New England. Uh, But she was born in Manhattan and lived in, you know, Rye and was in— Connecticut, and as you said, she was, had an itinerary of moving uh, so much. But the, it was the Midland, Texas years when uh, Zapata Oil got created and, and um, you know, that, they, that really their marriage and their identity with Texas and, uh, it, you know, became so solid and no longer were they the New Englanders, but uh, they became Houston Astro baseball fans. Uh, and the te- they're always at the Texan football games in the NFL And at her door in Houston, Anderson, used to be a mat uh, when you walk in that said, um, the reason birds fly so high is because they carry themselves lightly. Hmm. Uh, And that is a key to her personality. She did not like pomposity or people that were full of themselves or or people that bragged. Her husband never did that,
2: and she didn't care for people who did. Kate Brower, Anderson, Uh, the story, I mean, I I keep coming back to uh, her meeting uh, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush uh, when she is 16 years old. She's one of the few first ladies who actually married uh, while she was still a teenager. She was under the age of, of 20 when they actually got married. But they actually, uh, for, they got engaged a year and a half after they met, uh, right before uh, George Bush uh, went off to war, uh, and then it was uh, when it, he was back on leave that they actually got married.
9: That's right. She she left Smith College. Um, to to marry him. And she tells a great joke about how he's the only man she's ever kissed and her kids just about throw up when she says that. Um, and I think another point I would make about her is what she did symbolically when she, in 1989, went to uh, a house in Washington, D.C. for uh, babies, infants that were infected with the HIV virus. And she held them and cradled them and talked about needing more compassion uh, for people with AIDS. And, and at the time, in the Late 80s, there was this terrible myth that you know you could catch the disease by just touching someone. So symbolically, I think that was really important, and I think that also came from uh, having to deal with their daughter Robin's leukemia diagnosis because there was a stigma in the 50s at the time that that could be contagious too. So she did a lot symbolically, almost in a princess die kind of way, uh, when she had those images. It was a meeting that lasted less than an hour, but it did a lot uh, to help get rid of that terrible stigma.
2: David Gergen, we should point out uh, the First Lady Melania Trump uh, has issued a statement. I'm going to read it out. She says our hearts are with the Bush family as we celebrate the life and mourn the loss of Barbara Bush. Throughout her life, she put family and country above all else. Her dedicated service, to the American people, was matched only by her compassion and love of family. She was a woman of strength, and we will always remember her for her most important roles of wife, mother, and First Lady of the United States. My heartfelt condolences and prayers are with the Bush family as we honor her legacy. Uh, also, uh, the Office of um, uh Barack and Michelle Obama is a statement from President Mrs. Obama um, on the passing of of Barbara Bush. They say Barbara Bush was the rock of a family dedicated to public service. And our thoughts and prayers are with both President Bush and the entire Bush family tonight. We'll always be grateful to Mrs. Bush for the generosity she showed to us throughout her time in the White House. We're even more grateful for the way she lived her life as a testament to the fact that public service is an important and noble calling. As an example of the humility and decency that reflects the very best of the American spirit She'll be remembered for passing those American values on to her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, and to the countless citizens whom she and George inspired to become points of light in service to others.
8: You know, it's so good, Anderson, to hear those, the sentiments from the Trumps and the Obamas. They recall another age when... People were more civil, and I think I think both couples have have handled it with great with grace tonight uh, in saluting Barbara Bush. I, I do I do uh, want to tell you, understand, I understand when George uh, H. W. Bush was thinking about running for president in the late 70s, uh, he invited me to come spend the weekend uh, with them in Kennebunkport, uh, and I had never done that, didn't really know him, uh, but I was very struck over that weekend. First and foremost, when I walked in the door. There was a Democratic congressman who was also a guest for the weekend. they were a longtime friend and they had great fun together and the partisanship does not enter into it. There was just there was just a fellowship about it. Uh, I was also very struck by how relentlessly optimistic uh, both of the, of the Bushes were both Barbara and her husband, how they always looked on the bright side, tried to cheer people up, uh, and that was good. but I was the third thing it really hit me as we talk about it tonight too, how much they, they had these roots in, in Texas, uh, and they developed them, as Doug said, but they also had deep roots in New England, and they came from families, patrician families, in which the notion of service was central. It was a sense of noblesse oblige, uh, the, and, and that is sort of an old-fashioned way, but George H.W. Bush really proved that when he went off to war in, in the Second World War. He was the youngest pilot shot down in the Pacific. Showed enormous courage at the time, and I think it was emblematic, emblematic of what they came to stand for. Mm. And this was a view: you you serve, you do it under duress at times. It can be rough at times. You have to go through this together, but it's important to who you are, not your wealth, but the service.
1: Mm. Remember to create an ad like this one. Visit
2: PureWinning.com/cnn. Uh, I want to listen now to, to Barbara Bush telling Larry King what it's
4: like to be the mother of a president. What is it like, Barbara, to be the mother of a president?
5: Well, it's, it's, um, it's worrisome, because you worry about the responsibilities. Having said that, it's not very much different from the other children. We were in Washington last week, and I got there before George, and Laura was overseas. And it really touched me. The president came out and met me at the door. And I would feel the same way if Darrow stopped work or Marvin stopped work and came out of the building. I really loved it. It was, but it's not that much different, yeah. do you think? Except Does the he huge call
4: home? Yeah. lots. Calls mom.
5: To see how well calls mom and dad to hmm. see how we're feeling. Is it cold up there? Or uh, tells us what he's going to do. We ask, "What you going to do today?" Or yeah. was it hard going to?
4: Checks in early in the morning, and no agenda, no, no, not, doesn't want anything or doesn't. He's, uh, he knows what he's got to do And he goes out and does it. But uh, he still, family means a lot to him. You ask what it's like. It's about family, Larry. It's not about the big deal or the head table or all that stuff. It's about a father and mother and a son. And then you show me pictures of your kids. I could whip out pictures of mine. I mean, it's that's what it's about. And it's hard for people to, to realize that, but we've been there and uh, loved every minute of trying to serve, and we take great pride in our boys that are in politics, but it's exactly the same for the others. Can you honestly say, uh, it's hard, to, that you love every child equally? Absolutely, that Marvin is as important to you as George Absolutely, Neil is as important as Jeb and yes, the and daughter Darrow, is as important no question and what's I think more they, they, they that, all
5: too. love each other which makes it, I mean they're very loyal if George gets hurt, Marvin hurts if Marvin gets hurt, Darrow hurts they're, and all the way down the line they're very loyal, loving and maybe that's what politics does for you draws you either apart or together in our case it drew us together I think
2: you know, Doug, Doug Brinkley, Mrs. Bush was always very uh, insistent on on saying that she loved all uh, of her children. Obviously, she had six kids, one of whom uh, died, and as I said, when she was three. But George, Robin, Jeb, Neil, Marvin, uh, and, and Dorothy. But she was in in every interview, if ever asked, or she would always, even if not asked, she would make clear, you know, that having a, a child who's president or governor is the same as having her other children.
7: Well, that's right. And that's a uh, fundamental, really, of all moms or the way moms should be. And that's why we loved her so much. We believe her when she said that. There was no favoritism. Uh, mothers love all their children in kind of equal terms. And, you know, when we, one of the reasons, you know, that we're all mourning Barbara Bush's passing and also celebrating her as life though, it was because of that marriage. I mean, we forget what George Herbert Walker Bush meant. Yes, he was a one-term president, but he was president for German reunification and the breakup of the Soviet Union and the Berlin Wall coming down. He has so much. Uh, one of our great foreign policy presidents, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, yet his memoir was co-written with Brent Scowcroft, uh, not so he didn't seem to be bragging. Yet, Barbara Bush, Anderson, I think, has written one of the best memoirs ever of a First Lady. And if people that want to know more about her should get it and read it, it's very well done. And she kept diaries of these years. And in her memoir, we've only seen snippets of the diaries that she included. But eventually, um, I hope those will be made open, uh, made available to scholars because she had keen insight on um, people. She could read anybody like a, like a book. And earlier you had mentioned George um, P. Bush, or he, he made a very eloquent statement, the grandson. And he's continuing the political legacy. He's the, the Texas land commissioner, which in Texas is a, a, the biggest job in the state outside of being lieutenant governor or governor. And he, he's all future. I mean, he's going to be we're going to be having Bushes involved with politics of yet uh, the younger generation, not just Jeb and
2: and um, George W. Bush. It is. I mean, Doug makes an interesting point, Paula, of just a, what a critical time in American history it was uh, that that George uh, George Bush w- was was president, that, that she was she was first lady, um, and how different a time it seems now in looking backward.
10: It does, and you know, she and and her husband followed the Reagans, who were really quite regal. He was literally a Hollywood movie star. The Bushes were. Actually, American royalty, they actually they weren't movie stars. They, they were the, the real thing and very patrician and yet had this common touch. We're walking, watching her here in this video of playing on the South Lawn with with her dogs uh, and in, in the middle of her husband's presidency, with all of that that Doug talked about going on. She gave what I think is one, really one of the finest speeches I have ever heard or read. I really hope people will Google this and take a look at it. She gave the commencement address at Wellesley. Right. Jamie mentioned that earlier. It was controversial. Some of the students were protesting because they felt she didn't represent the
2: sort of modern uh, independent woman. That, right, that,
10: because from the look of her, she was right. uh, an old-school matriarch, and she was. At the same time, here's how she concluded the speech. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a friend, or a parent. Uh, someone very close to the Bush family just texted me and said her husband was, in fact, at her side hmm. at her last moment. And that is precisely what Mrs. Bush stood for all her life. She also said uh, in that same Wellesley speech, which
2: uh, Jamie played in, uh, in, in the piece when we started with, um, and the audience really r- roared, basically saying that, uh, she uh, she she was sort of speculating that someone in the audience might someday follow in her footsteps as a pre- president's spouse. And then she quickly
10: said, and I wish him well. <laughs> it, was just, it was great. She she, I think, understood that she talked in that speech about this being a transitional time In the transition that we were in and that we in some way still are in the changing roles of women. She was you ask any of those Bush folks, look at the video of her children and grandchildren. She was a force. This was not some quiet, shy, retiring person. She was a real force and, and really did shape the country. But I, and I think for the better. The other thing that uh, her family really wanted stressed was her work for literacy. She herself raised $110 million for literacy. Uh, and this was after they were out of the White House. She just did it because she believed in it. Their commitment to cancer research. Uh, she and her husband, very active at MD Anderson. Perhaps because they lost that daughter, but they have never stopped Giving to others and asking everybody else, calling everybody else to give to others, and I think it's a terrific part of her legacy too.
2: Yeah. Maggie, what stands out to you as you think back on on, on that time of of them in the White House?
11: I, it, I I don't think I could say it as well as Paul did, who who lived it much closer than I did uh, at the time. Um, I I, I do think that it was a time of there there was still this view of, and and yes, they were were a regal family. She was a traditional matriarch, but there was this view of public service and there was this view of how you served in the White House and what that meant. And I do think that uh, certainly um, George H.W. Bush embodied that. And I think that she uh, embodied the values of a very service minded first lady. She clearly had opinions. She was not just standing there, sort of supporting whatever he said. She helped shape his views. She helped shape her children's views. She, uh, she spoke her mind. Um, she was a force. I do think that, as Paul said, we are, we are uh, in, in a rapidly changing time right now about the roles of women, and, and it, she seems very anachronistic, I think, when you were looking at her through the lens of today. Um, she represented a very uh, strong and specific model of a, of, a, of a woman who was doing the work that she was able to in the role that she was not elected to play. She was, basic, she was serving with him. And I, I am struck just by, I mean, there was just sort of a basic humanity about her. I think the loss of a child can never be overstated, and I think it, it, it clearly impacted everything she did going forward.
2: Yeah, and as we said, she'll be buried uh, next to her daughter Robin, <laughs> who, uh, who died uh, just before she uh, turned four of leukemia, uh, as will uh, former President George uh, Herbert Walker Bush. Uh, when, uh, when, when that time comes, we're going to be right back. We're going to take our first break, uh, in this hour. Uh, we have some breaking news, much more on the life and legacy of Barbara Bush over the next hour. Uh, right now, let's just listen to her as we go to break talking with Larry King in 1994.
5: Well, because I always knew that I was lucky and that life had been good to me, but I really remembered again, how really good it had been.
4: For some people, when they face the catharsis of a book and in order for a book to be successful, it has to be honest.
5: Mine have a honest. difficult time no, letting I, it out I loved writing the book and, and let me just give you an example I told George this on the phone this, this morning or last night before I went to bed he called I awakened Monday morning in New York City having said goodbye to George Bush and I looked and the airplane went into the White House and a lot of things happened the Pope um, Arafat met with Rabin a lot of things happened And I sat and watched the news. Darling Jessica Tandy died and Hume Cronin, I thought about Cronin. And I, I thought, you know, I knew every single person or place that was on that television set thanks to George Bush, with the exception of Arafat, and George did meet him this year. But every other person knew me and I knew them. Quite a life. That's an amazing life. I knew it from writing the book. But I told George, I said, it really struck me how really great a life you've given me.
4: But also from looking at the book, aspects of it Barbara Bush didn't like.
5: Of course. Nobody likes a child to die or losing an election. Nobody likes, you know, the ugly parts of politics. Did you but like the loved, public life? Sure. You did. I love people. I really I really loved living in the White House, but I don't miss it at all. I miss Explain the people. That. Well I miss the people. Don't you don't you miss what you love? No. No, because I got more. We're having the best time you've ever known.